Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books, not just one scripture of the Bible. And I will be sharing commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Hi, saints. Surprise! This is a new day and a new episode. I know I told you I was going to share a mini-series starting next week, but I decided to start it today. We will be touring the writings that God gave the prophet Hosea. Yes, we are touring the book of Hosea. Hosea was an extremely important prophet and God gave him a very important task to warn the children of Israel about their apostasy. Yes. Now, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, I typically switch up on the versions of the Bible that I choose to read from. Today, I will be reading from the New American Bible Revised Edition. Okay, not the New American Standard Bible, but the New American Bible Revised Edition. Now, the Catholics usually use this version. It is the same Bible that everyone else reads. I don't know why people think the Catholic Church uses a different Bible. But I will say this. The difference is the Catholic organization has kept the Apocrypha in their Bibles. The Apocrypha are writings of the Bible or books of the Bible that were omitted from the Bible years ago. Now, I know the difference, okay? So what I can say is the Apocrypha are writings that the scholars could not prove who wrote them. Now, the people who said they wrote them was proven not to be the author. This is why the majority of the versions of the Bible omitted those writings, but it is nothing contrary to God's salvation plan, including Jesus Christ. And I won't be reading from any of those today, so it really doesn't matter. I just wanted to tell you the difference between the Bible that the Catholic Church uses and the Bible that the majority of all the other denominations use, okay? So with that said, you may see a few differences in the wording. It doesn't matter. Depending on the version you have, there may be a slight change in the wordings, but but it's okay because in the end, we will end up in the same place. So Hosea has 14 chapters. This will be a four episode series. Yes. Yes, saints. Now, the chapters are, are short with the exception of chapter two. Chapter two, I think it's the longest chapter. I think it may have um, maybe 21 verses, but it really doesn't matter. We, We are going to get through it. I chose this version, the New American Bible, because its writings are simple. 
and compared to the original Hebrew uh, and Greek, it is very close. So that is how I typically choose which version of the Bible I am going to read depending on the episode. Whichever version is the closest is the version I typically use. So with that said, saints, I hope you are in chapter one, but I'm going to give a little small introduction before we reach chapter one about the prophet uh, Hosea. Now, Hosea is a prophet from the, the northern kingdom who preached in his homeland, which he addresses as Israel, Jacob, or frequently Ephraim. Okay. Hosea began his mission in a period of prosperity. The last years of Jeroboam II, which was in 783 to 743 BC. Now, this was followed by a period of internal instability with intrigues at the royal court, leading to the assassination of several kings, including the assassination of Hezekiah. Now, Hosea witnessed the revival of Assyria, the Syro-Ephraimite War, and numerous treaties the Israelite kings made with Egypt and Assyria just to survive. Now, Hosea's long ministry lasted between 750 and 725 BC. It seems to have ended before the capture of Samaria in 722, maybe 721 BC. The only information this book provides us about the life of Hosea concerns his marriage. Even if we cannot reconstruct what happened exactly, the text in this book, as it now stands, speaks of three moments in the relationship. Number one, love, separation, and reunion. Those are the three. Now, this marriage is a, a symbol of the covenant between the Lord and Israel. And this is very important for you to know, because I will be using some words that may put you in an awe moment. Oh, my. What? Yes. God dealt treacherously with his people, the Jews, back then in the biblical days. So that's why I often wonder why people trying to stay in the Old Testament and not under the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once we get through Hosea, you will have a different outlook on God's grace here because a lot of things in the Old Testament, God dealt directly with the children of Israel and it had nothing to do with us. However, some of the things that Hosea would tell the children of Israel, the principles will apply to us. Okay. Now Hosea speaks about uh, first love. Um, the short period of Israel's loyalty in the desert, which was then followed by a long history of unfaithfulness lasting until his day. Now, Hosea accuses Israel of three crimes in particular. Instead of putting their trust in the Lord alone, the people break the covenant. Yes, the children of Israel was always breaking the covenant. If you can remember, if you follow my teachings on a regular basis, the apostles were, all, were always telling the Gentiles, look, you don't have to follow the laws of Moses. We are not under the laws of Moses. We are under grace. And Peter would always say, look, we couldn't keep the laws. Our fathers couldn't keep the laws. This is proof, proof in Hosea. So why are the Judaizers 
and people who were still practicing Judaism trying to make us, the Gentiles, follow the law. No, we are either under grace or we are either under the law. Now, under the law required judgment. Under grace is forgiveness. Okay, so once we get through Hosea, you will have a better understanding of how God used the law and the covenant that he established with his people, which were the Israelites and the Hebrews back in that day and how he judged them. God doesn't judge us today. Okay. Those who are under grace, but those who are trying to establish righteousness under the law, they are under God's judgment. We are not. Okay. This is very important. This is one of the reasons I chose this. Now, number one, God, um, spoke through the prophet Hosea to give his people Israel a warning. And Hosea accuses Israel of three crimes in particular. Instead of putting their trust in the Lord alone, the people was breaking the covenant that they had with God. Okay. Uh, one, by counting on their own military strength. Two, by making treaties with foreign powers, which was Assyria or Assyria, doesn't matter, both uh, pronunciations are correct, and Egypt. Now, Egypt was the nation that enslaved the Israels and God had, the Israelites, I'm sorry, and God had to send Moses to rescue them and deliver them out of bondage from the Egyptians. And three, by running after Baal, the gods of fertility. Oh, I can't wait to get to that. Now, Israel thus forgets that the Lord alone is their strength. It's covenant partner and giver of fertility. This unfaithful behavior from Israel will lead to Israel's destruction by Assyria. But God's love will have the last word. Oh, yes, we always had a merciful God. The back and forth movement from doom to salvation is typical of the book of, of, of Hosea. If you guys hear me make a mistake and say another prophet, please know and understand that I am talking about the prophet Hosea. Okay, we did Obadiah yesterday, but I am speaking of the prophet Hosea. All right. Now, Hosea began the Old Testament um, tradition of describing the relationship between the Lord and Israel in terms of marriage. OK, the New Testament uses the marriage imagery to describe the union between Christ and the church. Now, excuse me, the Hebrew of um, the book of Hosea is challenging. Yes, to translate. Possibly because the text is corrupt or because it is written in a non-standard dialect of Hebrew. Now, as a result, the English translations of the book sometimes offer very different readings of the same passage. As I was studying which version of the Bible I was going to read from, some of the wordings were so different, it changed the narrative of the passage. So I had to go to the Hebrew uh, Bible and compare. So the New American Bible um, came the closest to the Hebrew text. Okay, so that's why I chose this book. Now, the book, which opens with a superscription 
and ends with a final challenge is divided into two major parts. The prophet's marriage and its symbolism, which is in chapter 1, verses 2, um, and chapter 3, verses 5. Israel's guilt and punishment and restoration, which is chapter 4, verse 1, and 14, verse 9. Now, I am getting ready to read verse 1 of chapter 1. I hope you are there. Are you in the book of Hosea? Okay, not Isaiah, not Obadiah, but the prophet Hosea. And I am reading the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Barry, in the days of Uzzah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel. Verse 2. When the Lord began to speak with Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go get yourself a woman of prostitution. This is symbolic, guys. So look, please let me read the chapter first and then give a summary at the end of the chapter before you start frowning up saying what? <laughs> it's a reason for this. OK, now God chose these words for a reason and you will get an understanding as I give you a summary and I keep reading. OK, let me read verse two again. When the Lord began to speak with Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go get yourself, get for yourself a woman of prostitution and children of prostitution for the land prostitutes itself, turning away from the Lord. Verse 3. So he went and took Gomer, he who, the prophet Hosea. He went and took Gomer, daughter of Deblain, and she conceived and bore him a son. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to him, Give him the name Jezreel. For in a little while, I will punish the house of Jehu for the bloodshed at Jezreel and bring to an end the kingdom of the house of Israel. Verse five. On that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Verse six. She conceived again. She who Gomer, Hosea's wife, and bore a daughter. The Lord said to him, him who? Hosea. Give her the name not pitied, for I will no longer feel pity for the house of Israel. See, these words are symbolic uh, for the house of Israel. Rather, I will utterly abhor them. Verse seven. Yet for the house of Judah, I will feel pity. I will save them by the Lord, their God. But I will not save them by the bow or sword, by, by warfare or horses or horsemen. Verse 8. After she weaned, not pitied, meaning after she gave birth to not pity, she conceived and bore a son. Verse 9. Then the Lord said, give him the name, not my people, for you are not my people. And I am not, I am for you. Now, that was the end of chapter one. Now, let me give you a summary of what we just talked about. Now, this section begins with Hosea's marriage to Gomer, 
which symbolizes, okay, it is a symbol of Israel's relationship to God. Hence the symbolic names of Hosea's children and their later renaming, okay? The prophet foresees God's punishment for the unfaithful covenant partner, but knows that God's last word is always hope. Now, this superscription is from a Judean editor who lists the kings of Judah in the south first. Now, even though Hosea preached in the northern kingdom of Israel, now, a woman of prostitution, let me explain that. This does not necessarily mean that Gomer was a prostitute when, when Hosea married her. The verse describes the event and in, in its final consequences. Now, prostitution here refers to Gomer's particip participation in the worship of other gods. Okay, with a little g, in pagan worship. Pagan gods, okay, gods created by the hands of men and images created by men, which the children of Israel started worshiping. Okay, now when God says, give him the name Jezreel, the names of the three children are symbolic and predict God's punishment in a gradual increase. Okay, now these names are frequently repeated in chapters one through two, Jezreel means God will sow. Now the strategic valley in northern Israel where Jehu brought the dynasty of Amri to an end through bloodshed, uh, you can read that in 2 Kings uh, 9 through 10, and Jeroboam II was the next to the last king of the house of Jehu. Now the prophecy in this verse of the end of the house of Jehu was fulfilled by the murder of Zechariah, son of Jeroboam II. You can read 2 Kings chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. Now, the name not pitied is a Hebrew word, lo ruhama, written by a later editor when the prophecies of Hosea circulated in the south after the dissolution of the northern kingdom had occurred. The second part of the verse emphasizes the power of the Lord who needs no human agents to fulfill his divine will. And this is what Israel was doing. They were reaching out to foreign nations to help them instead of going to their God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the God who was already blessing them. See, it's all about apostasy, turning away from the true and living God. This also refers to the deliverance of Jerusalem from the siege of Sennacherib. Now, Sennacherib was the king of Assyria between 705 and 601 BC. He died in 681 BC. Okay, he was the son of Sargon II in 701 BC. He put down a Jewish rebellion and laid siege to Jerusalem, but spared it from destruction. Now, not my people. When Hosea made that statement in verse nine, he was talking about when God said, I am not, I am, quote unquote, uh, for you. Now, this reference is to the divine name revealed to Moses. I am. You can read that in Exodus 314. If you can remember, 
when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. And then he, uh, when Moses said, what do, who do you want me to say sent me? God said, tell him I am sent you. Okay. God often referred to himself as I am in the old Testament. Now, verse 14 talks about a reversal of the relationship, which marks the end of the covenant. You can read Exodus six and verse seven. Now we are moving over to chapter two. I hope you guys are following, following me on this. The um, verse one, chapter two, the number of the Israelites will be like the sand of the sea, which can be neither measured nor counted. Instead of being told you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. Uh, verse two, then the people of Judah and of Israel will gather together. They will appoint for themselves one head and rise up from the land. Great indeed shall be the day of Jezreel. Verse three, say to your brothers, my people and to your sisters pitied. Verse four, accuse your mother, accuse with an explanation point in my Bible, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. Let her remove her prostitution from her face her adultery from between her breast verse five, or I will strip her naked, leaving her as one on no leap. Let me read that again. Verse five, or I will strip her naked, leaving her as on the day of her birth. I will make her like the wilderness, make her like an arid land and let her die of thirst. A rid simply means dry. Okay. Um, verse six, I will have no pity on her children for they are children of prostitution. Verse seven. Yes, their mother has prostituted herself. She who conceived them has acted shamefully for she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Verse eight. Therefore, I will hedge in her way with thorns and erect a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. Verse nine, if she runs after her lovers, she will not overtake them. If she seeks them, she will not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my first husband for I was better off then than now. Verse 10. She did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine and the oil. I who lavished upon her silver and gold, which they used for Baal, their pagan God. Verse 11. Therefore, I will take back my grain in its time and my wine in its season. I will snatch away my wool and my flax, which were to cover her nakedness. Verse 12, now I will lay bare her shame in full view of her lovers and no one can deliver her out of my hand. Verse 13, I will put an end to all her joy, her festivals, her new moons, her Sabbaths, all her seasonal feast. Verse 14, I will lay waste her vines and fig trees of which she said, these are the fees my lovers have given me. I 
will turn them into rank growth and wild animals shall devour them. Verse 15, I will punish her for the days of Baals for whom she burnt incense when she decked herself out with her rings and her jewelry and went after her lovers. But me, she forgot Oracle of the Lord. Verse 16, therefore, I will allure her now. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak persuasively to her. Verse 17, then I will give her the vineyards she had and the valley of anchor as a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as on the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. Verse 18, on that day, oracle of the Lord, you shall call me my husband and you shall never again call me my Baal. Verse 19, I will remove from her mouth the names of Baals and they shall no longer be mentioned by their name. Verse 20, I will make a covenant for them on that day with the wild animals, with the birds of the air and with the things that crawl on the ground. Bow and sword and warfare I will destroy from the land and I will give them rest in safety. Verse 21, I will betrothed you to me forever. I will betrothed you to me with justice and with judgment, with loyalty and with compassion. Verse 22, I will betrothed you to me with fidelity and you shall know the Lord. Verse 23, on that day, I will respond, oracle of the Lord. I will respond to the heavens. And they will respond to the earth. Verse 24, the earth will respond to the grain and wine and oil. And these will respond to Jezreel. Verse 25, I will sow her for myself in the land and I will have pity on not pitied. I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he will say, my God. Now, Lord have mercy. Let me explain and give you a summary of chapter two. That is the longest chapter in these 14 uh, chapters. It had 25 verses. I thought originally it was 21, but it was 25. Now, these verses abruptly reverse the tone of the judgments of chapter one, verses two through nine with words of hope for the covenant people. The name Jezreel is given a positive interpretation in contrast to its negative meaning in verses one, uh, chapter one, verse four. Now the child name not pitied in one six is renamed pitied. You caught that in two, three, the child name, not my people is renamed my people. The reversal of these names occurs again in chapter two, verse 25. Now the section, um, let's see chapter two, verse four through 25. This section contains three oracles of doom verse six, seven, nine, 10 through 15 is a transition verse 16 and 17 and three oracles of salvation um, are in verses 18, 19, 20, 22, 23, and 25. Now chapter two, verse four, the Lord speaks of Israel still using the example of Hosea's wife. 
um, verse two and five, when, when Hosea said, I will strip her naked. It was the husband's responsibility to provide food and clothing for his wife. You can cross reference that and read that in Exodus 21 10. And now because of her adultery, he takes back his support. Okay. In verse two, seven, when um, Hosea says my lovers, even though Israel had experienced the Lord as the God of the, of the desert, uh, covenant and conquest, the people were inclined to turn to the local fertility or, um, they call these fertility gods deities. The Baals was a fertility God who were believed to be responsible for agriculture success. Okay. Cause that's where their wealth came from agriculture. They easily forgot that the Lord provides them with everything in verse 10. You can cross reference this with Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse 13, and thus prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. Okay. Now the crop failures sent by, by the Lord are meant to make Israel see the folly of its ways. Now, when Hosea mentioned Baal in verse 10, he mentioned it as an offering to Baal or to make statues of Baal. Okay. Now the days of Baals, when uh, Hosea mentioned that in verse 15, it was a feast day of Baal. Baal is a cult and they had cult feast. Okay. Worshiping in a pagan God. That is what they were doing. Or um, it was also referring to, the whole period of Israel's apostasy. All right. Now in verse 16, when Hosea said, therefore, now this word, the word, therefore, um, is a word in Hebrew normally introduces an oracle of doom. When the prophet says, therefore, doom usually follows. Okay. Now here, surprisingly, it leads to hope. It, it, you know, the word allure in Hebrew as though seducing a virgin, you can read and cross reference this. Cause I ain't just saying this and pulling this out of a hat in Exodus 22 verse 15 and 16. Now, ordinarily this word connotes deceptions. You can read judges 14, 15, um, 16, five first Kings chapter 22 verse 20 through 22. And when Hosea said Valley of Anchor in verse 17, Valley of Trouble is what he was referring to. You can read Joshua 7, 26. Here, this valley becomes a valley of hope, a new entry into the promised land. Now, when Hosea mentioned in, in verses 18 and 19, Baal, the word means Lord Master. Okay, that is the context he was using Baal in 18, verse 18 and 19. Lord Master, it was commonly used by women of their husbands back then. But it is to be shunned as a title for the Lord because of its association with the fertility gods. These pagan gods, which was the Baals. Plural. Now, many Israelites saw little, if any, difference between the worship of the Lord and the worship of Baals, but God saw it. This is why he was extremely angry. Okay. Thereby, they were dishonoring the true source of the land's fertility, which came from God.
Now, when Hosea mentioned betrothed with in verses 21 and 22, the betrothal was the legal moment before cohabitation when the dowry was paid to the father of the bride. In this remarriage, the Lord gives the bride price to Israel herself forever. Okay. Now, when Hosea talks about justice and judgment, he was referring to equity and fairness of conduct. Now, the next two terms, loyalty, uh, the steadfast love between the covenant partners and compassion, maternal love. You can cross reference this in chapter one, verse six, chapter two, uh, verse three and verse twenty five are characteristic of Hosea. OK, you shall know not an abstract, but a practical knowledge, which means acknowledgement of God's will and obedience to his law back then. Because you got to remember, the covenant was the covenant that God made with the children of Israel under the laws of Moses. Now we are entering chapter three. Um, verse one, beginning at verse one. Again, the Lord said to me. Go love a woman talking to Hosea who is loved by her spouse, but commits adultery just as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. Verse two. So I acquired her for myself for 15 pieces of silver and a Homer and a lethic of barley. Then I said to her, you will wait for me for many days. You will not prostitute yourself or belong to any man. I in turn will wait for you. Verse four, for the Israelites will remain many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or house God or household gods. Now ephod was a sleeveless garment worn by Jewish priests. Okay. Verse five, afterward, the Israelites will turn back and seek the Lord their God and David, their King. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his bounty in the last days. Now that was actually the end of chapter three. I told you the longest chapter was chapter two. Now let me summarize this. Just as the Lord is, is ready to take Israel back. Hosea takes his wife back. Um, we read that in verses one through five. She must undergo a period of purification, just as Israel must experience purification before the restoration of the covenant relationship. Now, when Hosea talked about raisin cakes, these were offerings made to the fertility goddess Ezra. Okay. The female counterpart of Baal. Now you can cross reference these pagan gods in Jeremiah chapter seven, verse 18 chapter 44, verse 19, and Daniel chapter 14, verses five through eight. Now, just as the Lord offered a new bride price to Israel, so Hosea offers a new bride price to his wife. He returns to her what he has taken away from her. That was in verse five of chapter two. 15 shekels of silver, a homer of barley, a unit of dry measurement, uh, which according to the etymology means a mule load. Okay. Mule load and a lethic of barley, which is a half Homer. 
Okay. Now in verse four of chapter three, Israel will lose its political and in its, its cultic institutions. Now sacred pillar originally perhaps a, a, a phallic symbol. Okay. Uh, representing Baal. Now these were also used in Israelite worship. Yes, you can cross-reference this in Genesis chapter 28, verse 18, and Exodus chapter 34, verse 13. Now, ephod is an instrument used in consulting the deity. You can read 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 6 through 12, and chapter 30, verse 7. You can also cross-reference Exodus 28, 6, and verses 15 through 30. Now, household gods. In Hebrew means teraphim, okay? They are images regarded as the tutelary deities of the household. Was the Israelites protection gods in the household? Can you believe this? Now you can read Genesis chapter 31 verse 19, Judges chapter 17 verse 5, uh, chapter 18 verse 14, and 17 through 18. Now David their king. The king belonging to the line of David who will restore the Israelite nation. You can also read about this in the prophet Jeremiah's writings. Chapter 23 verse 5, Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 23 and 24. The last days, a future time of transformation. Um, let me tell you, this is, is, is some awesome information. So, you can uh, cross-reference that, talking about the last days, a future time of transformation in um, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 9, and Ezekiel 34, 23. Okay, now we are getting ready to read chapter 4 and then call it a day after this, okay? Beginning at verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, Israelites, for the Lord has a dispute with the in inhabitants of the land. Now, what I'm getting ready to read is going to tick some people off because we are getting ready to talk about why God did away with the priesthood. When Christ died on that cross, the Levitical priesthood ended. Okay. Now, some of you can get ticked, but you need to follow the words written in God's Bible. Okay, in the word of the Lord about the priesthood being abolished. This is only one of the reasons and one of the prophets talking about this. Now, I want you to keep in mind, none of these prophets knew each other. They were like hundreds of years apart when they spoke on behalf of God. Now, uh, verse one, hear the word of the Lord, Israelites, for the Lord has a dispute with the inhabitants of the land. There is no fidelity, no loyalty, no knowledge of God in the land. Just like we don't have the knowledge of God today. They didn't have the knowledge of God back then. Verse two, swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and adultery break out. Bloodshed follows bloodshed. Murder on top of murder. Don't we see that today in America? Verse three, therefore, the land dries up and everything that dwells in it languishes the beast of the field the birds of the air and even the fish of the sea perish verse 4 but let no one accuse let no one rebuke with you is my dispute priest that is who God is talking to right now he's talking directly to the priest 
Now, let me explain to you why in scripture, verse five, you will stumble in the day and the prophet will stumble with you at night. We're talking about these cult prophets, not the real prophets like Hosea. Um, I will make an end of your mother. Verse six, my people are ruined for lack of knowledge. You may have a version that says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But um, the New American Bible says my people are ruined for lack of knowledge. Since you still talking to the priest have rejected knowledge. Mary ain't included in God's worship. And you have to ask yourself, why are priests in the house of uh, God today? Because of stubbornness. God ain't going to tell them what to do. And the people that are following the priest are going to perish with them. I'm just saying I'm speaking truth to power. Okay, let me read six again. My people are ruined for lack of knowledge. Since you have rejected knowledge, I will reject you from serving as my priest. Here we go. This is one of the reasons God rejected priests from his church today when Jesus Christ came. We're not supposed to have priests in the church. You notice the only denomination that has priests is the Catholic organization, Catholicism. Okay. Now the latter end of six, since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. These are some harsh words and God means what he says. Uh, verse seven, the more they multiplied, the more they sinned against me. He's talking about the priest. The more they multiplied, the more they sinned against God. I will change their glory into shame. Verse eight, they feed on sin of my people who feed on sin of my people, the priest and, and are greedy for their iniquity, greedy for sin. Okay. Verse nine, like people, like priest. Oh, God got some humor, but this is some serious stuff. Like people, like priests, meaning the people were following and doing what the priests were doing. Okay. I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. Talking about the priest. Verse 10, they will eat, but not be satisfied. They will promote prostitution, but not increase because they have abandoned the Lord, devoting themselves, verse 11, to prostitution, aged wine and new wine. Take away understanding. Verse 12, my people consult their piece of wood. That's who they were going to, a piece of wood. Do you hear me? Wood has no life in it. They were worshiping wood and people are worshiping anything today. Oh yes. Oh yes. And their wand makes pronouncements for them for the spirit of prostitution has led them astray. They prostitute themselves forsaking their God, the true and living God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who was taking care of them, the God who made sure they prospered. They turned their backs on God. Verse 13. On the mountaintops, they offer sacrifice and on the hills, they burn incense to their pagan gods. Now, beneath oak and popular and terebinth because of their pleasant shade. Therefore, your daughters prostitute themselves and your daughters in law commit adultery. Verse 14. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. God is merciful, but listen to this. He hold leaders accountable. I will not punish your daughters for their prostitution, nor your daughters in law for their adultery, because the men themselves consort with prostitutes and with the temple women, they offer sacrifice. Thus a people without understanding 
comes to ruin. Verse 15, though you prostitute yourself, Israel, do not let Judah become guilty. Do not come to Gilgal. Do not go up to Beth Avon. Do not swear as the Lord lives. Verse 16, for like a stubborn cow, Israel is stubborn. Will the Lord now pasture them like lambs in, in a broad meadow? Verse 17, Ephraim is bound to idols. Let him alone. Verse 18, when their drinking is over, they give themselves to prostitution. They love shame more than their honor. Verse 19, a wind has bound them up in its wings. They shall be ashamed because of their altars. Now that was the end of chapter four. Now let me give a short summary. Now the introduction to the oracles in chapter four, verse 11, which began with hear the word of the Lord, which is chapter four, verse one, and ends with oracle of the Lord in chapter 11, verse 11. We haven't gotten there yet. Now, chapter four, four, verse two is similar to the 10 commandments. Now you can cross-reference this in Exodus chapter 20, verses one through 17, and you can cross-reference Exodus 20, um, one through 17 with Jeremiah seven and nine, where these prophets were on the same page and didn't even know one another. Now in verses four through six, Hosea is particularly severe with the priest in the Northern kingdom who had led the way in the general apostasy from God's law. The priests were just as corrupt then as they are today. Now the prophets here associated with the priests in verse five were doubtless cult prophets. Okay. You can cross reference this with Jeremiah. Uh, chapter two, verse eight, chapter four, verse nine through 10 and chapter six, verse 13 through 14. Also in chapter 23, verse nine through 40. Now in verse five, when Hosea says your mother, the one who gave life to the priest is understood here as an extension of the punishment to his whole family. Or the word mother is taken as a metaphor for the community of Israel of which the priest is a member. You can read Hosea 2.4 again, okay? In verse 7, when Hosea said their glory, it is connoting their children. You can read Isaiah 22.24 and get a full detail and it will give you a, a better understanding of why the prophet Hosea said that. Now, or glory. It, now, the word glory may refer to the Lord in contrast to Baal, okay? The Hebrew word for shame is Besheth, okay? It's often substituted for Baal in biblical names. You can um, see Ishbaal or the Hebrew word Ishbasheth. You can read about that in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8, uh, verse 10, 12, and 15, and Maribal, Second Samuel uh, chapter nine, verse six, ten, and thirteen. Now, when Hosea spoke in verse eight, the priest received part of the sacrifice. You can also read and cross-reference this with Leviticus chapter six, verse nineteen, and chapter seven, verse seven. Now, in verses ten through eleven, prostitution 
often a synonym for idolatry. Okay, just because, especially in the Old Testament, when you hear the word prostitution or idolatry or adultery, it is referring to apostasy. Okay, um, worshiping a pagan God outside of the true and living God. Now, the covenant bond was symbolized as the relationship between husband and wife. That's in chapter one, verse two. Thus, abandoning the Lord for a foreign God was called prostitution or adultery. Okay, I'm being repetitive with this because I need you to understand that if you out there worshiping something other than uh, the true and living God through his son, Jesus today, you are committing adultery. Okay, now verse 12, when it says piece of wood, a uh, piece of wood is used as a derogatory term for an idol, you know, a wand, a, a sacred wooden object, perhaps some kind of staff used for divination. Now, verse 13, the shrines on the high places typically had an altar, a grove of trees and a stone pillar representing a God. You can read that in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 2 and Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 20. Now, in verse 14, when Hosea said temple woman, it was used as plural, more than one. It uh, Temple woman is the Hebrew word kidesha. Okay, the exact import of the term is disputed, but you can read notes in Genesis 38 verse 21 and Deuteronomy 23 verse 18 and 19. Now, Gilgal is close to, to Jericho. Okay, Joshua um, 4, 19 through 20 and chapter 5 verses 2 through 9. Beth Haven is a house of iniquity. Okay. Hosea's derogatory term for the sanctuary of Bethel is the house of God. Now, the major shrine of the northern kingdom in chapter 10, uh, verse 5 through 8 can be cross-referenced with Amos chapter 5, verse 5. As the Lord lives is a legitimate oath formula in 1 Samuel 26, verse 10 through 16. But unacceptable here because Israel is guilty of religious syncretism and the adulterous worship of other gods. Now in verse 17, when Hosea mentions Ephraim, Ephraim is the name of one of the sons of Joseph, the son of Jacob. You can read Genesis 41, 52, also used to designate one of the tribes living in the heartland of the Northern kingdom. Hosea often uses the name of Ephraim to refer to the whole northern kingdom of Israel. Now, during the latter part of his ministry, whose ministry? Hosea. After the Assyrians occupied Galilee, Ephraim was all that remained of Israel. Okay. Now, in verse 19, um, when Hosea mentions a wind, uh, that is a metaphor for Israel's addiction to Baal, the cult, okay, which is nothing but wind, a spirit of prostitution. Now, saints, we have completed episode one of this four-part series. We covered chapters one through four. Now, I hope you guys are being enlightened. And I want you to not get upset when I talked about the priest, because if God did away with the priest, when Jesus Christ died on that cross, 
He said it is finished. He was talking about the Levitical priesthood was finished and the old covenant was finished. So you need to ask yourself, why are the priests in the Catholic church? Yeah, they're in the Catholic church. They are not, they are not in any other denomination, but I, I'm only here to share the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. You know, the name of my podcast is learning Bible truth. So um, until next week, we're going to try to close this out, depending on how, how much I'm willing to read. We are going to close this out next Saturday and Sunday. So until next time, saints, if you have to go out in public, you guys know I end all my podcasts with this. We are still in the middle of this pandemic. You need to wear your mask so that you can protect others. You may be asymptomatic, meaning you may not have any symptoms and you can spread it. And if someone is standing within six feet uh, of you, you can politely tell them, can you please step back? Politely ask them that and just and then say thank you if they do, because most of the time people are not aware that they are within your personal space. Now, our personal space today is between six and eight feet away. So I want you guys to remember that while you are out in public, please continue to pray for peace. Pray for me, because as one of God's leaders today, a leader who speaks the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And let me tell you this secret saints, I practice what I preach and I'm not afraid of the devil nor his people. It doesn't matter who they are. So I want you to continue to pray for me. I will continue to pray for you and we will all be prayed for. So until next time, saints, peace out. All right. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please send your questions to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. Or you can send me a direct message by clicking on the message button located on my podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public, and submit your remarks. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing all my podcasts and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your seed. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, as it relates to sowing a seed, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. Now, God will give you a return on your seed as long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. The key is having a cheerful heart. Now, until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.